Hello, I'm Vada. I'm Carlo. And you're listening to VCR. And I'm super sick. He is super sick. So I'm going to say welcome back on his behalf. He, uh, Carlo, our good, good friend and co-host here was jet setting and out and parting it up in New York. And he's back and he brought the funky monkeys with him. <laughs> I, I'm vaccinated. I wore my mask at uh, all places I, I could. But getting in a plane with a bunch of yabos. Yeah. And you know what? And I know he wore the mask because I saw yeah. him. I saw the pictures that he was yep. posting, parting up with our good friend, Elizabeth. Hope you're doing awesome out there. Yeah. Uh, out, out there who's also jet setting. So awesome, yeah. awesome time to be had in New York City. Yeah. It, is a, it is a shitty cold. I can mm-hmm. taste things, which means I'm not going to kill myself. <laughs> that's very bleak humor but if like I, I need my sense of scent and taste it's very important to me i yeah. still have that no body aches no congestion just a runny nose and a scratchy throat uh fucking cold so and I while, to- while he was out there jet setting and, and now drinking his tea i i've been dealing with a dog who has been chewing through my entire house and i'm at wit's end so we're going to distract my mind mentally from killing this new dog of mine into <laughs> would you would you say that your home is haunted by the dark shadow of hunger and destruction slowly creeping through your home and slowly and tearing bits and bits and bits away from your consciousness i i would prefer that than this dog chewing up my my entire house but if someone was going to come in and and just horrify me and just you know gnaw at me mentally there is no one better than mr gilmo del toro who who could ravish my mind with those beautiful visuals that that man creates hauntingly beautiful i don't care what anyone says they are hauntingly beautiful the uh, the things that that man uh, comes up with so if you haven't figured it out no it's not about our dog it's not about uh carlo jet setting um it is about mr del toro and his absolutely magnificent art that he creates uh brilliant brilliant filmmaker brilliant writer and brilliant artist because a lot of those oh, yeah. monsters that you see or creatures that he creates that you see on screen are actually drawn out by him and someone, some talented uh, special effects person puts that together, but they are his vision and it's like mind blowing. It's just absolutely mind blowing. So let's just go into just a little teeny tiny something about him. So uh, Mr. Del Toro is born in our one of our favorite months, October in 1964 in Guadalajara, Jalisco, Mexico, uh, raised by a Catholic grandmother, Del Toro developed an interest in filming, in film. I'm sorry, in filmmaking in his early teens. Later, he learned about makeup and effects from the legendary Dick Smith, who is the uh, art director. Well, I don't know if they call them art directors anymore, but uh, costume and makeup director for the exorcist uh which scares me still to this day <laughs> i was looking up some uh quotes of his and i i, I found one that i that speaks to me as a, a as a angry little goth kid myself um i would go to catholic church and the saints made no sense but frankenstein made sense the wolfman made sense the creature from the black lagoon made sense so I chose that as my religion. Oh. Uh, then is a uh, very Catholic grandmother, not approving, uh, a believer in the um, in the uh, beating your children for disagreeing with you style of parenting. Uh, in in one of in, in some stories he mentions she would have him put bottle caps into the soles of his shoes uh, and keep them on all day so that his feet would be raw and bloodied by the time he went to bed when he took them off so that he would associate removing them with his evening prayer. <laughs> that, that sounds about right. I'm not going to say that sounds wrong. <laughs> Catholics, that, man. That sounds, like, that sounds like some hardcore dedication <laughs> there. But 
have to say the benefit paid off look at the amazing work that man's done <laughs> uh, uh, but i mean looking at this man's filmography is just spectacular uh, my first and I, maybe i shouldn't jump into my first introduction with del toro but let me let me spout off a couple of his uh, movies here just on internet movie database uh scary stories to tell in the dark too which is in pre-production which kind of blew my mind i didn't know that they did scary stories to tell in the dark one oh yeah which came out in 2019 i've been wanting to see that because that was a a really really big deal when i was in honestly elementary that was a very haunting book that used to sit on a shelf because of just the cover art alone was terrifying yeah. and the, so, the book itself was it was to me almost mythical because i had been i would be told by people wait so you like spooky stuff and you're like yeah and i like elder tour and stuff and i would be told you didn't grow up reading this to me it was this like hidden gothic horror blood fest book that's no totally for children like oh like all my friends are like no i had a copy i can't find it anymore like it was a real thing but it couldn't be horrible uh, visceral murderous stories about children that no and the children don't survive they die horribly of course that's you know un unstoppable horror comes for them they die yeah uh, and for me it was almost like um like black tapes like um like uh Faces a death book. Uh, uh, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean that 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 book was just legendary as a child, you know. Yeah, and then it, it really referred to was. be made yeah. into a movie. Uh, I mean, that's the right person to fucking call. Oh yeah. So I I want to check that out desperately. I didn't even know, so I'm gonna have to rent uh part one. Uh, Pinocchio. He's doing the. It's in post production. He did the screenplay for it. Uh, this is coming out in 2022, and apparently it is part two, uh, because they already did an. I know the Italians did a, a version of Pinocchio recently, in 2020 with uh, one of our favorite actors, whom we have a serious crush on, is Mr. Ron Perlman was part of that. Uh, so and I yet I did not see that because of course of the plague um, but he also has Nightmare Alley coming out Troll Hunter Rise of the Titans the Troll um, Hunter series going on to become one of the biggest very quietly one of the biggest uh, kids properties like specifically for little kids not preteen preteen is all the weird like Harry Potter book stuff but like for kid probably it's, it's fast become, quickly becoming one of the most popular in the world because there's like 19 of them, mm -hmm. all based on his uh, writing about people who hunt trolls, apparently. Interesting. He's also, he has, well, it's also on here again, uh, right under the witches, which I have not seen. Uh, Troll Hunters, Defenders of Arcadia, uh, which is a video game. And he created apparently a char some characters for that in 2020. Uh, Wizards, which apparently is a TV uh, miniseries. Then we get into, of course, scary stories to tell in the dark. Uh, that he wrote in 2019 um going back i guess this is part of the troll hunting series because it's lots, uh, three below you know there there is a lot of that so without being disrespectful i'm just gonna skip over that and jump into some of his other stuff one that i uh, that's not that's not why we are fascinated by him no 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 absolutely not i, I mean if you're, maybe maybe it's maybe it's a great show uh, show for kids i don't know i won't comment we're total nerds, but we're, yeah. we're just going into his other stuff. Uh, the Shape of Water, which I desperately wanted to see, and I don't know why I didn't see it. Uh, one that I regretted seeing, Carlo, hold me back on my critiques, uh, <laughs> Crimson Peak. Now you go, you ain't get mad. I'll, I'll, I'll balance you out with yeah. a little bit. Well, well, you know, we'll save the anger for a little later. I'll just <laughs> go through some of his other stuff. Uh, the Hobbit, the Battle for the Five Armies, uh, Pacific Rim. I did not realize that he that was his. Uh, so that was a nice surprise. Um, the Hobbit's Unexpected Journey, the screenplay, Dark Horse, Motion Comics, uh, a TV type of thing. One that I did not care for, but Carlo liked it better than what I did. Big uh, fan. Big, yeah. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a stan, as, as they say. I just, I just was not <clears throat> feeling it when we saw this to review it back in the day when we did the first VCR show, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. And trust me, when I saw it, I was not. So... <laughs> But Carlo, Carlo enjoyed it. Hey, I liked it. I, it. I feel like it, you know the 
Well, I mean, it was it was a story idea, I believe, that he came up with. He didn't direct it, so he sort of just he was like a, like a producer mm-hmm. to give someone else a shot. I liked it in that it had a little bit of like this gothic, slow gothic, creeping horror. It is it was sold as a horror movie, like a like a jump scare movie. It's not. It is a slow burn, uh, fridge horror kind of thing, which I enjoy. I like. Was like, I guess that was kind of scary. Wasn't that scary? It's not that bad. And then la- late at night. You get up, you go to the fridge, you open the door, and that moment the light turns on, you realize how much darker and how much more terrifying the movie was in retrospect. Upon reflection, in watching it, you're like, I mean, they didn't die that badly. Whatever. It's yeah. fine. She went down a hole. Whatever. But then know. the voice comes out, the, at the, out of the hole, and that makes you, and if you think about it, you're like, wait, so that means a much darker story. Mm-hmm. under like under the surface of the movie but if like it would make an awesome book didn't make such a good i think I, no i think i think it would be probably <clears throat> a, probably a better book than it would have been a movie at least in my opinion mm-hmm. uh, now this kind of this kind of trips me out a little bit uh because there are like three different hellboy twos that he has on here uh all credited as writers i think these are just different um epilogues and and different things but he has like, it was extra, extra bits that they added to the movie yeah okay so he did a hellboy the golden army because um, originally it was going to be uh culminate in a trilogy that was the the plan it is a it is a part two it is supposed to come up with part three so they had an epilogue and a prologue to like set it up to bookend it more as like you need to know about the rest of it oh yeah but and of course they of lost course. oh yeah and then they then they did that horrible reboot thing that was just shite. But uh, of course he did Hellboy one, and then you have Hellboy the Golden Army, and then you have Hellboy the Science Evil or the video Science game. of Evil, which is a video game. And then one of my personal favorites, actually, the getting on his on the older stuff, or a lot of them are my some of my favorites. Uh, the one I fell in love with. I don't know about you, Carlo, but I fell in love with it. Pan's Labyrinth. That was a beautiful that and was dark so and gothic as shit. Oh, that ending is just oh, très bien. Très bien. <laughs> um, mwah, mwah. It is just spectacular. If you haven't seen Pan's Labyrinth, shame on you. Go treat yourself to that. That is a must. I already mentioned Hellboy. Mimic. Uh, the he-, he did Mimic. Uh, one and mimic two mimic one was good i never saw mimic two uh because i heard it wasn't that great but mm. mimic one was actually pretty good and then our ever favorite uh to kind of play around with chronos chronos <laughs> yep. way back when as we as we've hinted every once in a while that we had uh we we reviewed movies on uh on, on youtube and when they weren't fucking documentaries, we would uh, find something that was because, because we wanted it to be something you could find easily on the myriad different um, we don't charge you to watch movies apps and things. So be like, this is where you could find it. And Kronos was uh, I think it was on Hulu then because they had like a deal with the Criterion Collection or something. So it was available on Hulu. Go watch it now. Kronos is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, dated. Yes. Does it have does it like pretend it's a, can you pretend it's in America? Absolutely not. This is a not an american movie that was very obvious they were in spain and it was very obvious that ron perlman was an american in spain (laughs) but but not 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 through his performances i like you look at him the man is made of granite yeah yeah (laughs) um clearly not spaniard but it was it was one it's one of our favorites it's one of our first introductions really to uh the world of Perlman and Del Toro working together. Yeah. And it was just, uh, it was weird, but it was so interesting too. So Kronos is one of those that we really enjoyed. Uh, it was think, in our first rounds of doing VCR way, way back in the days, you know. It speaks to a little bit of an attitude that he has um, that it sums up nicely in a, um, in a comment he made, a, a, a quote he has about the devil's backbone, um, that I think like Kronos sort of set this out, which is one of the reasons I like that he has these like beautiful nightmares just sort of encroaching down on a child. Uh, he said about the devil's backbone, I hate Hollywood movies with children as happy, brainless creatures that spout one-liners. 
what I tried to put in the devil's backbone is how unsafe it is to be a child. Many times in my life, I saw, I saw children almost kill each other. Yeah. And having the, these moments of like Kronos, Pan's Labyrinth, like many of and devil's backbone, being a child is incredibly vulnerable. Oh, yeah. And he, he, he allows that to be so. There isn't like, oh, they, surely they won't murder the child. Mm-hmm. That would make this a bad movie. And he's like, well, children die. Mm-hmm. that's bad you're supposed to be mad at the adults in this situation that are letting this child go through this mm-hmm. you are supposed to be mad at adults that let children go through this Absolutely. like in real life yeah but i love that he has a, just the absolute gall of like no they're terrified no they're gonna die no this is life is terrifying for a child and, and you know and what i love about it, he's unapologetic about it like but he writes such a beautiful story kind of like when you go back it's okay because with chronos the little girl in there is the hero of the story you know yeah. she she survives everything she comes out on top she's the hero in chronos but you look at something like pan's labyrinth where sadly that little girl spoilers yeah. across the yeah, board yeah. For this whole because there's no way to we couldn't do it she dies in that and it's it but it's such a beautiful i i know that sounds weird it was a beautiful death it was yeah. i mean where she ends up in, in the, her afterlife was absolutely spectacular it was yeah. amazing uh the whole story was just uh absolutely spectacular but it was super dark you know <laughs> yeah. uh but pan's labyrinth uh subtitles or not yes it is in spanish but oh my god that is a spectacular spectacular movie and everything that that man envisioned and he placed there like the actual design for pan and then the Mm -hmm. design for the the monster who could only see through his hands oh yeah that was gorgeous that was fucking gorgeous that man's imagination is spectacular I, I I don't know. I, I know I sound like I'm gushing because I am, but like those movies, I really loved them. Pan's Labyrinth, Kronos, Hellboy, the first one. I was not huge on the uh, Golden Army one, which was part two, but yeah. so the visuals in there, it's like some of the visuals that he created were still amazing, especially yeah. like the Angel of Death. Oh God, mm-hmm. that well, was- I mean, it's it was setting up to be part of the trilogy. Oh yeah. So I mean, so it it kind of does that meandering thing. Where it's like I guess we'll play around here for a minute. That I guess I, I mean, which kind of holds it back. But I fucking I enjoyed the hell out of it. And I think for Guillermo to back me up on it, part of it is uh, another quote of his about Ron Perlman. Aside from being a perfect Hellboy, he is a gentleman, a friend to die for, a great actor, and for the ladies. He has the sexiest male voice this side of Barry White. What more can one ask for? <laughs> and the man's so, right. Yeah, man's right. <laughs> so, so you know what? We're not the only ones who have a crush there on Ron <laughs> yeah. uh, But just to throw this out there for uh, you, for you people who are listening to us, are like, oh my god, he sounds so so dark, and the you know these children die and horrible. Yes, but. <laughs> I just want to also mention here uh, in reading a little bit more without this man, your children would have a very boring, boring, boring childhood because this man is also the executive producer of Puss in Boots, Kung Fu Panda, Rise of the Guardians and Kung Fu Panda 3. So just to throw that out there, he's also done some pretty amazing uh, children's works as well. And he's also done some interesting uh, live action type of things uh, (coughs) too. Uh, One of the ones that kind of surprised me and I didn't know that he was involved in it until me and Carla were doing some research. I had Mm -hmm. no idea he did uh, Pacific Rim. Had no idea. Uh, I'm not saying that was one of my favorites. I'm not really into that, but it was, it was his. And I was like, oh, wow. Well, that's bravo bravo you know uh one of i know a lot of people who really enjoy that because they're they're into that creature uh i guess like that that it's like an 
an extension of a story through anime and through some other stuff, including Godzilla, that this, you know, whatever Pacific Rim, you know, that portal type of weird thing, whatever it is, I never saw it. Uh, that was all kind of connected. And he had created that. I myself, like I said, never saw it, have no idea. But I hear, I know a lot of my uh, cinephile friends are really big into it um which is which is great you know i had no idea you know i like pleasant little surprises on that carlo uh do you remember what was one of your first del toro movies um he was definitely someone i had to go back and look into if i remember correctly mm-hmm. um Because I don't think, I think it was actually Pan's Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. And then I just backpedal looking up other stuff. Yeah, I think uh, the exact same thing for me. My first real understanding of Del Toro was Pan's Labyrinth. He had already done some stuff by then, but I didn't really know who he was until Pan's Labyrinth. And then around that time is when we also end up discovering uh chronos because that was created before pan's labyrinth and so that was kind of our second thing and then you have the hellboy series which starts to come out which we were fans of so but really what cements it for me is pan's labyrinth because of how spectacular that man can tell a story and his visuals are just Mm -hmm. so incredible i mean it's just mind-blowing and if, if you don't know del toro then you don't know what i'm talking about but yeah. you need to get into that <clears throat> because his, his visuals are just like mind-blowing so if i was going to do like a horror movie i i would want that man to come and do the visuals for it you yeah. know i would want to collaborate with him to like I want it to look like this and what do you got for me type of thing and see yeah. what horrible uh, thing he creates because it's his stuff is spectacular. Yeah. He's you one know? of the few like people that, that work in horror that is actually served by having the lights on. Most of, most of the things like, Oh, there's a dude with a knife. Okay. So you turn lights on it. It loses any of like the magic or the, uh, uh, the like the, the, the darkness at the edges of your mind go away when the lights go on but del toro because of his his visuals are so stunning that when the the bad guy with the mask like pops off the mask and you see like oh there's raw meat under there and he has an axe you're not like hmm i get eldritch horror where like this is supposed to this is supposed to be unsettling on and not just scary it's supposed to be unsettling it's supposed to be like the uh the drives you mad thing from lovecraft like the best version I've ever seen of Lovecraftian horror, beating out Lovecraft by a country fucking mile are the visuals that Del Toro brings in. Because you know it's a dude in a rubber suit on stilts. You are mm-hmm. fully aware. The lights are on. You can see that. But in these different films, when the angel of death, when the, the guy with uh, eyes on his hands, when they all just stand up um, and just are in the room with people, never relying on cgi and a little golf ball and a tennis ball on a stick it's never that it's always a performer moving in the space fucking with your mind just by existing it's always a more uh it just it creeps into your brain his movies and they're like oh that's how i feel fear the not understanding it the being afraid of it uh turn the lights back out please turn the lights back off. I don't want to see this, <laughs> but you do, but you absolutely want to look at it because they are the most beautiful, beautiful, disturbing visuals. Yeah, they, they really are. And here's something that's interesting about him. I did not know this. Um, and this is kind of the issue with, with Mexico too. So Del Toro in 1997, his mm. father was kidnapped. Yeah. I, I did not know that. Uh, so in 1997, Del, Toro, Del Toro's father, uh, Federico Del Toro uh, Torres, was kidnapped in Guadalajara. And of course, he, you know, the object is they kidnap them and say, hey, you pay us this ransom 
And then, of course, they try to double it and all that crap. But here's something that's kind of interesting. Fellow filmmaker James Cameron, Mm. a friend of Del Toro's since they met during the production of the 1993 Kronos, withdrew over one million in cash from his bank account and gave it to Del Toro to help him pay the ransom. Mm. That, I mean, that's that's one wow. an amazing friend to have who would do that after the ransom was paid federico was released having spent 72 days kidnapped the culprits were never apprehended um that's that's <coughs> sad that's kind of sad but you know those things do mm-hmm. that's horrible that is horrible yeah. uh, but at least he got out of that situation alive because a lot of people don't <laughs> a lot of people don't that's why you have to be very very careful when you go down to places like uh guadalajara and, and things like that where a lot of the uh let's just say not so reputables <laughs> kind of hang out and they're, they're looking for people to help fund their their fun stuff i guess we'll put it like that but del toro has a very very interesting life a very interesting filmography um what was out of your movies that you're aware of do you have one that maybe was your least favorite del toro movie or should Um, i or should i jump on mine first (laughs) um I feel like we're going to say the same one and I will make room for it and you won't. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. Um, Crimson Peak. (laughs) Didn't of the ones I've seen because I have not seen everything. Well, because I don't remember Blade 2. I don't imagine I really liked it, but maybe I did. I don't remember. (laughs) It didn't stick in my head. Um, I'm sure I saw it 100 years ago, Mm -hmm. 20, like 20 years ago. But Crimson Peak, which I allow for, has re- some really cool ideas and really cool moments and absolutely sunny visuals. But, and I, I believe in the idea of go, trying to make a hammer horror film mm-hmm. in 2000 and change, in 2015. I believe in that. It's a beautiful thought. I'm so glad he tried. Mm-hmm. But the pacing of, horror fil- of, a, of a hammer horror film today, really hard. It's really hard to like, just slow plotting like mm-hmm. so okay so you were flat out told in prophecy to never come here because you will fucking die yep why are you coming here well a rich man said i should so i have to because i'm a, re- a, a weak weak woman okay <laughs> <laughs> on was... account, uh, constantly going on account of i am a weak weak woman and then like how come that one dude never showed up oh the other weak weak woman Beat his ass dead. Beat him to death. If she could flex. <laughs> yeah, I I was not I was not a fan of the whole movie. Uh, I was not a fan of the whole. Um, and I get that it was you know trying to be hammer esque. I really do. Yeah. Um. And and that was that's fine. And if you don't know Hammer, then again, you don't know anything. But if you don't know Hammer, then you haven't listened to our show enough because we mentioned. I think we're we are single handedly keeping Hammer alive. But Hammer films uh, back in the day were Excuse these me. really <clears throat> cheesy, uh, low budget horror movies that just it made Hammer films. A massive industry but they were just cheesy slow slow movies that normally starred christopher lee and uh, yeah. <laughs> mr uh, a lot of a lot of like really good actors oh, yeah. with like with gravitas and with presence um slowly walking down the same flight of stone stairs holding holding a candelabra going no one has been here since the murders like that has become such a such a uh, trope that it was actually like, oh my god, that's how you know it's good horror when that dude shows up and the candelabra and someone goes like, oh, there were no survivors. When they do that little thing, that at the time was how you knew it was going to be a good horror movie. Oh yeah, seventy odd years later, 
when yeah i believe it's tom hiddleston is like is the guy going down the stairs going like you know there are ghosts here with a candelabra you're like ah, all right cool sure where's the ghost there's a ghost that's really cool looking because the, when the ghost showed up it, it was fucking cool looking a lot of it is really cool that's a beautiful visual but i'm more going like oh that's pretty i'm not going like oh i'm scared and freaked out so it kind of doesn't doesn't hit the way i think intended no i mean it, it didn't but it's hammer films were exactly like how carlo put it you know they were these low budget fascinating type of uh <laughs> type of movies um that like i said traditionally starred christopher lee <laughs> and his uh and his counterpart peter cushing who everyone know him as one of the first sherlocks and so many others but was also in star wars but christopher lee and peter cushing were always playing you know uh one was playing Dracula and the other one was playing Von Helsing. And you just had a good old time watching them. I mean, it was cheesy as, as Velveeta, but you know, you, you watched it, you enjoyed it. Um, And so Del Toro doing Crimson Peak, which is supposed to be Hammer-esque, every sense of the word, it was slow. It was fucking slow. And then you get into some weird ancestral stuff because like he's in a relationship with his sister who is a ghost i think <laughs> or something weird like that the sister like, is obsessed with him uh to the point where he's a ghost yeah it's or he's a someone was a ghost you know yeah. it didn't it's was, a ghost story it is a ghost story yeah and i was just watching i was like really we're we're no i was like yeah. I, so <clears> i <throat> i did not enjoy crimson peak uh Carlo defends it a little bit more than what I and and I get the visuals you, are the, fucking cool. Yes, if you want, I'll like, give you the visuals. Yes, <clears> if you, if you want to do like some good old gothic horror, get give it a shot because it is. If Hammer had a massive budget, mm-hmm. I could have a real beautiful mountain or mountainside mansion mm-hmm. that drips blood. Yeah. Now the which is very very true. Uh, the that's, visuals that's what, are stunning in it. Yeah cannot complain about the visuals but the the story was like super like i I don't know what's happening here and i it was it was kind of it was long it was really really drawn out yeah it's it's about the visuals it is Mm -hmm. in fact if you look it up you're gonna see like a golden-haired woman carrying candelabra you'll see hilson with it like with with a candelabra and a high collar Mm -hmm. uh raven-haired beauty like tragic beauty with a candelabra and a high collar like it's all and, it's and, and, and to truly truly understand what we're talking about you gotta do a little bit of homework you should watch a hammer film and then watch something like yeah. that uh before you get into it and you're just like oh what is what the hell was that you gotta watch one to kind of really understand the other um one of the other films that i was not a fan of but you like more than what i did mm. uh don't be afraid of the dark did yeah. not do it for me i i was and trust me <laughs> yeah. after watching that i was not scared of the dark i was like okay that was kind of lame the little trolley yeah. gremlin looking creatures yeah. are just like ah oh, this is too cg-ish for me and, and don't hire don't hire a katie holmes like not that she's like inherently a bad actress or anything but she doesn't play anything other than herself yeah and, it was, and it's just like she doesn't play anything other than like tv uh tv sexy teenager show actress katie holmes not like she only plays one type of person she only plays her like i am katie holmes here in a movie isn't it fun like that's who she plays the her playing is like this trying to connect with a child new mom energy doesn't fucking work it just doesn't like it Mm -hmm. sorry she chose like the career she is she got was being on dawson's creek and she's not doing anything in this to separate herself for one goddamn moment as anyone other than Katie Holmes from Dawson Creek. Um, I think that, and that's kind of a, a, a kind of a wany little comment, but it does it kind of sets up what I think the movie uh, a flaw that the movie had overall in that it kind of is like trust me, this is good. 
Yeah, and then um, you didn't see, I mean, she was in it. But I think yeah. the one who kind of starts really carrying it is um, Guy Pierce, who was the father in that thing. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't that memorable other than, oh, let me stab your eye out. The little Grimblin monsters is trying to stab his eye out through a keyhole. Yeah. Which like, like, this is know. an example. This is a good example of like I, the way we both see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's these little creatures, which I like to say. If you watch uh, the first uh, 15 minutes of Hellboy Two, it is every the best part of. Our, Don't be afraid of the dark. It's these little like furry creatures that have a malevolence and want to kill. And apparently, sometime in the history of this uh, of this house, they were locked down the cold, the ash chute. So they're locked down there. But the, the little kid starts hearing voices and so the creepy stuff happening. Implication is that they are slowly getting out and running amok. And there's a, a part where you see them grab a screwdriver uh, and they lock a door and the dad is at the door and looks through the keyhole to see what's on the other side. Mm-hmm. And he's like trying to look and you see them grabbing a, a screwdriver and they're going to jam it into his eye. And the tension of that scene was really good. He doesn't get stabbed in the eye. He just moves. There's no heroic like, oh no, something. And he dodges. There's no like uh, he hears a noise and his instinct kicks in. Uh, nor do they get him in the eye and, and stab him in the, and, like, and he's like bleeding the rest of the movie. It's very like the hands stay clean in this whole movie. So they simply don't get him in the eye. The tension was good, but it feels weird to be so bloodless a, sca- a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, for me, that worked kind of for like for little chunks, it worked really well. Um, and for you, you're like, you're just like, I didn't get a payoff here. It's all. It's all flirting. We never get to bed. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it really is. Now, here's something that a lot of people may not know about this, and I just pulled this up. So Don't Be Afraid of the Dark is not an original work. This mm-hmm. is actually based off of a made-for-TV movie mm-hmm. um, that also by the same name that was Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, and it kind of goes from... I can see that because a lot of made-for-TV movies were not that great. Um, And then it kind of turns into this. Now, I I think if they had called it something a little different, like the Tooth Fairy or something like that, because remember those little creatures were obsessed with with teeth and collecting children's teeth. Uh, That could have been like something a little better could have reworked that yeah. you know disguised it a little bit better i think that's and i think that's what they went for visual for the with their visual look mm-hmm. it definitely falls into the pantheon of del toro's style mm-hmm. um and I, he's he's said in uh, in some i can't find the the quote but he said at one point that he feels he's always making the same movie all of his movies in his mind on a level on some level refer or connect to each other and i think it's because it, it's his his monster verse in a way are these different creatures that's why they look just like the, the tooth fairy creatures flat out call tooth fairies in hellboy and they're very similar in like style and look mm-hmm. and then you see like the creatures in hellboy like what like you see one of those creatures appears in pan and i think pants Labyrinth or devil's backbone but the creatures cross back and forth like it is his own like cthulhu-esque mythos um and he made a uh, he wrote a book uh, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities, My Notebooks, Collections, and Other Obsessions, which has, among other things, the plans from the chrono de- the do- device from Kronos, mm-hmm. uh, the like parchment that says the prophecy of Hellboy, all these things like well, this is part of the world that will not appear in the movies. They don't exist in the far as the movies because they don't need to exist for the movies. Mm-hmm. But the only way it works for him is if they're all this dark web of these are mon- these monsters are real. This is how they work because they have to work in a way in order for them to appear in the movies. Yeah, and, and that's why that speak. That feels like a tiny, dumb little TV show episode of his grander works. Right. That's why I like it. That's pretty. That's the only defense I have for it. It's not, very, <laughs> not good. It's not it, very good. It was one that if you asked me, you could you could have really skipped that. If you <clears> could <throat> skip two of Del Toro's works, it would be Crimson Peak and uh don't be afraid of the dark uh the little creatures i know they refer to them as uh tooth fairies and stuff like that uh according to what is in uh, other research they were actually homunculuses um i think i'm getting the plural that right i can't remember uh but homunculuses which are these little 
trolley type of gobliny type of miniatures uh but there it's it's it, visually it was kind of interesting but just the i think the other part of the issue with that particular movie is that del toro did not direct it he was yeah. one of the writers there was him and a few other writers and it wasn't solely his own he shared it with with someone else someone else directed it yeah. and i think that's kind of where things yeah that I remember them promoting it as a Del Toro thing because yeah, it was Guillermo how, Del Toro presents. Yeah, they're trying to sell it, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it, I don't think it did that great back in the day, anyway. So it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> no. So that those are my least two favorites of of Del Toro's. What was if you had a friend yeah. who was like, "Hey, I've never seen a Del Toro." What would you recommend for them? Oh, uh, well, I don't have like I, I I hate recommending something on the merit of like this is what I like because it, it tastes objective. So I would try to figure out what kind of like what friend I'm talking about. If I have a friend that is into eldritch horror and like the infinitesimal uh, tiny little place humans have in the world and what we're up against. I would probably take him to uh, ask. I would probably take uh, Devil's Backbone or Pan's Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. Um, if they are up for more adventuresome, we can have a fighting chance and comic book kind of feel. Definitely Hellboy. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> if someone is, like, if it's an old school goth that wants to, like, let's let's uh, watch something beautiful and sad and drink tea and drink absinthe, then we would watch Crimson Peak. Uh, I don't have many friends like that. I have one friend like that. Um, yeah, I, I think that that would be how I go about looking to have that conversation. Like, what am I? And I'm sure there's like, and I, I have not personally seen uh, Pacific Rim. I missed it. I'm sure it's 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 where it's a blast, but I haven't seen it, so I, I can't. I don't know who I would suggest for that. I'm yeah. sure there's someone who wants to, who's desperately going to try and take me to go see it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> One day, yeah. yeah, and I think we are uh, weird, kind of a little bit of a pervert person. I might take it to see The Shape of Water, mm-hmm. not because it's like, like, not because it's like, oh, she fucks the fish man, not like that. What's not I mean, like a little pervert, <laughs> but just someone who's just like, no, I want to see something challenging. I want to be like rooting for the little guy, and I really, Shape of Water is probably the one for that. Yeah, I think if I was going to recommend a movie for someone to start off with that's a del toro it would definitely be pan's labyrinth mm-hmm. i would say start off with pan's labyrinth and then of course go into chronos just to kind of give it that weird like hey this is what he was before and this is what he is now type of flavor yeah and then i would definitely say uh hellboy one so those mm-hmm. are my my three that i would definitely say you need to jump on it's pan's labyrinth Kronos and Hellboy one uh, to kind of get your introduction, your Del Toro 101 going. And then you kind of take it from there as to what you want to do after that. Do you want to go more into like specific rim or your live action type of thing? Or do you want to go into uh, more of the horror tracks, you know, by going through his other stuff, which, you know, it varies like and some of it i haven't seen all of it there there are two that i'm definitely gonna have to go out and watch i need to go watch the shape of water because i have not seen that and then Mm -hmm. i definitely need to jump on top of the whole uh scary stories to tell in the dark i i very much want to see that halloween coming up yeah i mean it's it's the time to do that so absolutely so i'm going to excuse me jump on those yeah so that's not a problem but i think that's kind of our our decent education on this brilliant brilliant director well i would like to add add, before we move on to the next bit of the next uh, segment here Mm -hmm. i would like to add there is just some more information about how guillermo de toro is just one of the most interesting people in the world um he has also dabbled in video games Mm -hmm. um he was uh, he was friends with Hideo Kojima, who made the very famous. If you're into video games, uh, made Metal Gear Solid a thing, uh, which is a huge thing on its own. But he came up with his next big thing after the company that he worked with, um, Konami, were just dicks. Konami just mm-hmm. weird, dumb. They're like, we we are so petty and angry at this guy for being an auteur director 
it's probably more complicated than that, but I'm I've taken aside. Uh, we're so petty and cruel. We're gonna just, we're gonna kick him off his project, even though he appears in the game and asks you like if you, in the game of uh, Metal Gear Solid. Um, we're gonna kick him off this game and his other game that he's making at the same time. Uh, the game was uh, going to be another massive franchise, a horror franchise. Mm-hmm. He was gonna work. Uh, he was coming out with um, the next Silent Hill game. Which was going to be uh, Kojima to take it over, and he got Guillermo del Toro to help him build a playable teaser trailer, which was called PT. It was essentially walking down a spooky hallway with a couple of doors to your side, and the ever-present feeling of someone following you as you walk down the hallway. Pictures would appear, like Polaroid snaps, would appear on a wall. But if you stayed too long, it would catch you. Some of the doors would occasionally be open, and you could go inside, and you'd find a dingy, dirty bathroom sometimes with a bloody bag that would ask for help. I told people, stay out of my bathroom, damn it. <laughs> it does look so. Fuck out of my bathroom. <laughs> it's a very cool, and you just walk all the way down to the end of the hall, go through a door, and you end up at the front of the hallway. And you just go through it over and over again. And people were going mad, trying to figure out exactly, get everything out of it. It's just a playable teaser. It's just setting up, Silent Hill's coming, it's going to be huge. It's going to be the creepiest, darkest shit you've ever imagined. Del Toro and Kojima putting it together, and then Konami, because they're the most pissy little babies, decided, no, we're canceling all of it. What? We're canceling it. It's too popular. Everyone loves it. And all they're talking about is how much they love uh, Kojima and Del Toro. And they're not talking enough about Konami. What's your game? We're going to make you rich. We're going to make you so much money. Why, why are you canceling the project? Because shut up. It's our ball. And we're going home. So they canceled the project. And then... They systematically destroyed the teaser. If you had it on a game system, your game system would delete it for you. If you had it uh, uh, through Steam or something, Steam would delete it for you because like, no, we're taking the license back. You're not allowed to have a copy of this game because we were trying to scrub it from existence. And uh, the internet lost its mind going, no, this is amazing. Please let us have this game. We'll do anything. No, you can't have it. It's our ball. We're going home. You can't have the teaser either. Which is I would love because I would I would want you to go through it because it's it's that Del Toro of like it's all bad baby you're go you're the tiny little you're the tiniest fish in the big ass pond that kind of horror and they just completely scrubbed it so uh, Kojima asked Del Toro hey do you want to make a completely different move uh, uh, video game he's like yeah as long as it's creepy okay here's my plan it's the future you're a delivery boy and you have a baby fetus in your stomach while invisible aliens try to kill you because it's raining and the toro was like yeah pass the blunt let's do it baby and they made death stranding and that's what death stranding is you are a delivery man in the future and giant invisible creatures try to kill you in the rain and your only hope is the fact that you have a baby fetus strapped to your stomach what the fuck man that's so do yourself a favor just look up the trailer for death stranding and you're like, that will not help at all. Trust me. Because <laughs> it's fucking wow. Kojima and Del Toro together, shit gets win. And Del Toro actually appears in it as an NPC named Dead Man. Wow, that is too cool. I mean, I, in all yeah. honesty, like that. With Norman Reedus. It, it sounds like, you know, uh, like an acid trip. Yeah. <laughs> was yeah. Like, you know, I'm going to drop this and see what happens. You know what's a great idea, Carlo. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do a podcast show. We're just <laughs> what baby you know, like that kind of that's kind of how it, it happens, you know. Like um, yeah. but whatever works, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's totally that's interesting. I'm gonna have to say that that is very interesting. So I just and, wanted to get that little that little chunk in as well about and I'm glad you <laughs> did. I'm glad you did because I was like, what what the fuck was that? So that's that's one of those things I can definitely be like what I'm going to take a shower tonight and be like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, that's what I mean about that fridge horror. Just like, it's weird enough at the moment, but later on, you're like, it's getting creepy again. <laughs> yeah. And I think if, I'm less safe in this if, world. I, I, I have to say, you know, if me and you ever broke down and did a horror movie together, uh, I think I'd have to say we would definitely come up. We'd give Del Toro a run for his money. We wouldn't beat him. <laughs> No, because it would not be as cool looking. We could definitely <laughs> trot alongside that man. <laughs> How yeah. you doing? Hey, 
oh, why are you running away? <laughs> we just want to be friends. <laughs> Plus, we don't have Doug Jones, which is also another. Mm. He's that incredibly skinny actor, contortionist oh, mime yes. that plays was... all those horrible alien monsters. They're not alien, yes. but like eldritch horrors. Oh my God. He was the creature in Shape for Water, and he is also the creature in Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, I forget mm-hmm. the proper name of the creature, but like he has to see through his hands, actually, like literally, there are eyeballs yeah. in his hands. Uh, he was that guy and brilliant actor. Bravo. I am yeah. applauding him, even though he cannot see me applaud him. Uh, absolutely brilliant actor um and and just brings to life so many of del toro's visions because yeah. uh, i'm sure he's done a lot more than just that yeah. but absolutely brilliant absolutely brilliant but yes we don't have those guys and we don't have cameron crow giving us a million dollars to make a movie so uh we'll work on it we're gonna work on it you know we want to you know we won't fight him he wants we, to won't, we won't say no we we can be reached at the vcr show <laughs> at gmail.com uh, <coughs> so in case uh, del toro or cameron or anyone wants to throw a chance at us we will take it yeah and hopefully. we'll even film it in austin which <laughs> i'm not a fan of but we'll film it yeah, there we'll, we have yeah. to. we'll throw yeah. a scene there what a scene in We'll do a scene and all. Minimum one scene. Maybe more. We'll see how it goes. Yes, we'll see how (laughs) how drunk we are by the end of the night. (laughs) But, Carlo, uh, do you have a game for us? I kind of do. Now, ordinarily, this is when I would uh, bring up, when we would bring up the game of We'll Be the Assholes, where we go to the Am I the Asshole subreddit on reddit.com. I find a, a, a story, a question, where somebody asked the very important question, Am I the Asshole? tangentially related to the topic that we are discussing now today i did actually find one that concerns in a way academy award-winning director guillermo del toro Hmm. uh here's the thing it is very tangential so i will leave it to you (laughs) to decide whether this stays in the episode or it gets cut but if you're ready to play here we go let the games begin all right this is uh posted by envy dragon two years ago Am I the asshole when I give joke names to Starbucks baristas? Specifically, <laughs> specifically when I do a mobile order, it turns out that it prints a sticker with your entire first name when you order it in the app, and the first name field has a huge character limit. For the last few weeks, I've entered a new first name every time I ordered a drink, and my th- top three best na- names were the ghost of the real Paul McCartney, the entire cast of Seinfeld, and Academy Award-winning director, Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> the thing is, when I went in today, they seemed a little panicked, a little worried. And instead of the name I wrote on the cup, they said my real name, which they knew because I'm a regular, and I guess I'm the only person who uses bullshit names. Mm. It made me realize, am I risking getting the baristas in trouble by having them say weird crap loudly in public for my amusement? It also occurred to me that what I do is a little bizarre. I place the order, go in through the connected chapter, uh, uh, through the connected chapters, wait behind a magazine rack, pretend to read titles, hoping somebody starts giggling when they see my name. Mm-hmm. Then when they call, I have a mobile order for 12 raccoons in a person suit, I go over and either accept politely or ask them to repeat the name a little louder so I'm sure the order is for me. Am I an asshole or just weird or both? First edit for clarity. The layout and ambient noise level of the store is such that the only people who can hear when a mobile order is called are the people hanging right around the mobile order area. Thus, if it's not busy, and I rarely order at peak hours, the only people who are here are the baristas, me, and maybe one or two other people. The asking to repeat is totally an asshole thing. I agree. When I did that today, I had a moment of introspection and realized I was power tripping, hence this post. But to be clear, the joke has never intentionally been at the barista's expense. I'm mostly trying to see if it's irritating for food service workers to have to do this or if it cheers people up by breaking the monotony. There's a second edit, but it reveals immediately what the internet has said, so I'm not going to read it yet. Okay. <clears throat> so. I don't. Okay. Uh, I don't think he's an asshole. I think he's just kind of having fun. I think it would be fun to watch. I mean, it sounds like something I would do. Maybe that's why I'm thinking he's not an asshole. I could totally. Sure see myself uh going in there and saying academy award winner john wayne is academy award winner john wayne of a year you know uh, i mean i think i think it'd be a bigger problem if he was 
saying something like, you know, <laughs> I need a huge cock. I need a huge cock. Yeah. Is there, like a, huge, <laughs> is there a huge cock here? <laughs> you know, that's different. You know? Yeah. But, uh, you know, things like that, the whole cast of Seinfeld, Academy Award winner, Gilmo de Toro. I, I think those are fun and games. I think anyone who reads that realizes it's fun and games. Uh, if someone's more like, you know, if it's becoming more vulgar, like uh, two tits. If it gets if it gets vulgar, then yeah, obviously, like that, then absolutely. Yeah, clearly. Like if, if two tits. I need two tits, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's, that's something, something uh, different, kind of like, it reminds me of, and, and maybe this is where he got it, on The Simpsons, when Bart would prank call Mo, and he'd give him a name, and then Mo would be in the bar like, uh, Amanda, I need Amanda hug and kiss, I right. need Amanda hug and kiss. <laughs> like that shit was hysterical uh, but you know i think it's just in fun like that i don't think he's being an asshole unless sure. like i said he's doing that I, I you know i need you know something yeah. vulgar you know yeah something that's like really objectionable to say um i'm i'm, I'm kind of with you on that i i was a barista for many years it seems like my whole fucking life um and I never had anyone come up with anything that clever because I don't, there wasn't a lot of clever, clever people. Um, what I found was like, people don't listen. They just try and take whatever is in front of them. Yeah. So I'll be like, hold up. Like I have a white mocha uh, uh, latte, three pumps. Uh, it is a grande and it is for Richard. And then some little, some woman will just like try to like grab, is that mine? Is that mine? Is that mine? Like try and like grab it from me. And I'd like, mm -hmm. no, no, no. I have a, is it mine? I have a three pump grande white mocha latte for Richard. It's not what I ordered. And it's not for you. And I would absolutely, I, yeah. So like <laughs> that, I would rather put up with, like, I get, I, I get it like um, Thor Odinson, son of Thor. I got a, a I, I got a, a unicorn uh, frappuccino. Thor Odinson, son of Thor. There you are. Here you go. That would brighten my day up, honestly. I, 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 you know, seriously, that would be a <clears throat> day brightener yeah. to yeah. get something like that. I think that would be so yeah. much fun uh, other than, like, uh, you know, caramel, macchiato, extra <laughs> extra piss in it, you know? <laughs> yeah, if, you're, like, if it's vulgar, absolutely not. Now, there are a couple of caveats here. They point, point out they do it at slow times. It's mostly themselves, the baristas. It's they know that person is there often enough and presumably tips well enough that they're cool with him. They know it's him. But there are certain times when they don't want to have a problem and they just say his real name. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. I would, I would like, hey, we're going to do that. Hey, that's funny. That's funny. But sometimes it's going to be a real name. Oh, yeah. Because shit was going on. We can't do that right now. I'm going to use your real name. I know who it is. And if they were cool with it, then we're cool. We're cool. It's that, you know, the, but if I'm going up there and I got a, I got, I got a red eye, a large coffee, a shot of espresso in it for Porky Pig. <laughs> what was the name? Derek? I swear to fucking God. I'll beat <laughs> you to death right now. I got a line. I, if I have a line of two people, don't fuck with me right now. I'm not going to repeat the name Porky Pig for you. Mm. Yes. <laughs> you know what you wrote on there. Yeah. I know it's you. I'm playing the game. I, I wrote mean, Porky Pig. I know it's Derek. I know. You, Derek. Yeah, you wrote Porky Pig. So we're saying Porky Pig. You get one. Uh -huh, Asking dude. me to repeat. You're an asshole. You're jerk, right there. Derek. You are an asshole because I had fucking work, Derek. I would asshole. love it. I would love it if someone Saturday Night Live me like old school Dan Aykroyd. And they're like, Richard, you ignorant slut. <laughs> yeah. I would be like, oh my God. Like, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google that. Google Dan Aykroyd, you ignorant slut, and watch that video. That is so, if someone did that to me, I'd be thrilled. But, you know, sure. I, I'm of that weird humor, but I also know, yeah. like, that's not something you can do in front of my coworkers or things right. like that. Oh. And that, and that's the thing that people forget mm -hmm. in this scenario. They're at work. Mm -hmm. 
Like, I know you're doing a bit of fun, but remember, they are at work. Like me calling you, uh, saying, Richard, you ignorant slut, when you and I are having a beer, that's fine. Yes. But if I go to your place of business and your boss is at your desk and I come by, go, Richard, you ignorant slut. <laughs> that might be a problem. Yes. I'd still you know, laugh, like, but yes. Yeah, you'd still laugh. Yeah, yeah, because you don't respect your boss. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I really <laughs> but, don't. Exactly. But so I think like the, that, that caveat's like where like, there's a lot of caveats like i probably not an asshole probably not an asshole this made you an asshole this is the line like i i, I want to give a lot of room like it's all right it's funny and you're you're not mad when they when they can't say it and they just say the real thing yeah. and they know it's you they know it's not like a it's not an they're not being blindsided we're all by friends this. here we're all it's friends. funny it's we cool it, it's know. cool it was just when they like sometimes i'll make them say it again because i'm proud of myself nah don't do that and if they just and if if they can't they just say your name go with it uh, that's when i'm like be better you're not an asshole you're getting real fucking close Derek. <laughs> yeah you're getting real walking, fucking close you're walking the line you're you're getting, yeah you're right on that line clean up your act so what uh, so, so says, like, tell us <clears throat> all right let's see uh for uh, well, i'll start here i'll add the second edit to the comment mm-hmm. There's enough you are the assholes in the comments for me to think it isn't worth the risk of making someone else's life harder. For those looking for closure, I'm going to stop. I won't pretend I ever made the jokes for altruistic reasons, but I justified it to myself by saying maybe it would cheer someone up who's having a hard day. But if there's a chance, a chance it might piss off a minimum wage worker, I won't take that risk anymore. The joke isn't worth potentially ruining somebody's shift. Uh... Yeah, a couple of other people agree with me. Uh, you're the asshole based on I go over and either accept politely or ask them to repeat the name a little louder. So I'm sure the order is for me. It's, it's fine to have some fun, but you're just wasting other people's time for your own amusement. What you're displaying here is enjoyment and what was commonly referred to as a power trip, which usually leads to controlling behavior. The fact that you wait behind a magazine rack pretending to read titles, hoping somebody starts giggling when they see my name, shows you're in a way getting off on the attention, which is kind of gross. I don't think it's gross, but... I get their point. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, you are the asshole. Jesus, I hated people like you so fucking much when I was still working. You're literally making fun of employees who can't do anything about that because they can lose their job for your own amusement. Uh, let's see. I'm going to find someone. Uh, here's someone. I was all ready to say you were fine as long as you weren't making them say anything dirty or offensive. But creeping behind the magazine rack firmly makes you the asshole. I uh, was everyone was like, nah, okay, here's one. Nah, not an asshole. Uh, no assholes here, except the part where you sometimes make them repeat it more loudly. All right. I think that's that's got pretty close to what you're saying. Uh, yeah. Um, most like you're, it's it's pretty harmless. And I think that walking that line is important. Uh, someone does put as long as you're a regular, you have rapport, you t- tip them uh, and you do uh, you do it the daily basis around the same time. They know to look for you and call to, in the crowd, and you'll accept them calling you by your name. I wouldn't make them call out more than once, though. I think, you know, I think it's just kind of like exactly what I was saying. You know, it's it's all fun and games. It's not really anything horrific, you know. No. Um, I would I would just, mm. you know, I, I would look at it as a day brightener myself, you know. But that's just oh, sure. me. I, yeah. know, I know everyone else has differences of opinion and you know, people who work that industry may be like, oh my God, this is the worst thing ever. Or some people may actually be like, oh my God, this is this kind of funny. This is very funny. Yeah, it could uh, it could be fun. You know, so to each their own, I guess. But I don't think he's an asshole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if it's, it's really a group that they, he's built some rapport with, I would just be, I would just state it. Hey, are you cool that I do that? I'll stop. Or if you just, or if, I, if I do it and you're like, anytime you're like, not today, go with the last name. I'll never be mad about it. Like, I'm not going to bitch that, and I'll stop doing the, you know, look, waiting for it. Mm-hmm. Just, they're at work. Don't bother people at work, but I, it's pretty harmless. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. That's what I meant, but it's very tangentially related to our topic of Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, that was- I don't think it's ever was. I, I doubt it's ever worked for Starbucks. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, with that being said, that is our fun show on Mr. Del Toro, Academy Award winner, brilliant writer, brilliant director, <laughs> and brilliant, you know, visionary, if you ask me. Uh, check out some of our definite recommends for this man's movies. 
And if you have maybe a Del Toro movie that we missed that we should have shared, Carlo, where can they share said movies? They can catch us on Twitter or Instagram, both at the VCR show. And you can email us as well, your thoughts and comments to the VCR show at gmail.com. And until next time, I'm Vada. I'm Carlo. And you've been listening to VCR. And God, my throat hurts. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> Need a clean space? Call a clean space for you in multi services and ask for our friend Rachel. They can be contacted at 832 297 1704. Or you can email them at a clean space for you at gmail.com. Need some sweet treats for your next big event? Or maybe you just have a sweet tooth? Check out Skippity Cakes. That's Skippity Cakes. S K I P P I T Y C A K E S dot com. Check them out for all of your sweet treat needs, things such as cakes, cupcakes, and cake pops. Also, check them out for their varieties of face masks, t shirts, and coffee mugs. You can also contact them at 281 221 9703. That's 281-221-9703. Again, that's Skippity Cakes. Say hi to our friend Rosie for us. You've been listening to VCR. Creative content by Richard Christopher Vada and Carlo Manuel Magana. The logo created by Richard Christopher Vada with assistance from Annie Ramirez. The theme song is The Messenger by Silent Partner and can be found on YouTube Music Library. You can follow us on our social media platforms such as Twitter and Instagram at The VCR Show. You can also email us your thoughts, comments, and concerns to The VCR Show at gmail.com. <laughs>